You're listening to Marketing Matters, brought to you by Tilburg University. This is Marketing Matters, a podcast brought to you by your team of marketing management lecturers from Tilburg University. In each episode, we connect topics from marketing theory to marketing and business. We talk to marketing professionals about their experiences, their best and worst practices in marketing. They will tell you how they use their marketing knowledge to create your marketing reality. I am Jorna Leen here. And I am Aukje Wijne. And in this episode of Marketing Matters, we explore the topic of business to business and digital marketing. Just like the previous episodes, we are not going to discuss this topic with just the two of us. In this episode, we talk to Sam Talia, who is the global head digital marketing and e-commerce at Philips. Sam will explain the importance of business-to-business marketing in the healthcare industry and how social media platforms play a role in this. The mantra of marketing is to be close to audiences and customers. And first, it's not about your product, but what are your customer needs? So get yourself a cup of coffee and find out why marketing matters to you. Sam. It's really nice to have you here in this episode of Marketing Matters. You have been working at Philips for nine years. Could you share with us how you experienced being an expat in the Netherlands? Yeah, thank you. Firstly, I'm very happy to be here. And also being an expat in the Netherlands has been a wonderful experience. Firstly, I think, and I say this quite often to all my colleagues, probably Netherlands is the most anglophilic of all the European nations. So even I, wherever I go, I can find people speaking in English, but also it shows the openness towards this culture and the economy for being more interdependent and working across the world from a global standpoint. So I think it has been wonderful for us, for my family, and I look forward to living here many more years. That's nice to hear. You work for Philips on healthcare in a business-to-business setting, so-called B2B. Now tell me, what kind of products are you responsible for? And who are your customers? So most people think of Philips as still a television company. So I also want to throw some light on what we do in the health space. We do quite a lot of products and solutions across the health continuum. Think of MRI machines or CT scanners or ultrasound machines, which help you in imaging some of your diseases or cancer or any kind of problems that you might have. Or also think of cardiology domain, where you have catheters or operating theaters. We actually support it end-to-end, so in the ICU space, in the operating space, but also in imaging areas, but also the wearables that you kind of get used to in sports, where you have to do an ECG and you need to have the electrodes around you, or these days with corona, you need to keep measuring the oxygen saturation in your blood, so you need to have SpO2 sensors. So it's a wide spectrum that we support from hospitals to home to out-of-hospital space, be it in diagnostic laboratories and so forth. So coming to your question on who are our customers, it's exactly the ones which I just mentioned. It's predominantly our hospitals, which is both in university hospitals but also specialty hospitals. But we also have diagnostic laboratories and uh, out-of-hospital space, sleep centers and those kind of small initiatives. But also we have home as an area which health really matters. With most of us now starting uh, with taking care of our own health, I think uh, managing health at home 
becomes a key aspect of it and that's where we are trying to ensure that more from a preventive health standpoint but also post diagnostic and treatment we should be able to support in managing a person's health so you are in b2b most students are more familiar with b2c marketing now can you tell us how does b2b marketing differ from b2c marketing sure first point to note is from a business to business you are really working with a group of people instead of one consumer who is not only making the decision to purchase but also is consuming the product so if you're trying to buy a phone you go to apple or you go to amazon and you make your purchase and you use the phone but think of buying a operating lab there are in a hospital close to 10 people involved in making this decision journey but also making the purchase decision so it might mean the procurement officer the the ceo of the hospital the clinician who uses this operating theater but also the specialists like the radiologist and cardiologist who have a say in what really matters so what you need to now think of from a marketing standpoint is you have different kinds of decision makers who have different kinds of needs and also prior experiences so that when you are trying to position your proposition to this it should matter to everyone so that is the key difference from a b2b versus b2c standpoint and if you relate this to the different marketing mix elements which marketing mix elements do uh, particularly matter in a business to business marketing setting which elements do you have any influence on so the trend that i have started to see is from a business to business standpoint people are still used to two key marketing forums which are not in b2c area in b2b there are still a lot of trade shows so where companies talk to different companies or to key opinion leaders and that is the biggest area where we try to introduce our new products bring more awareness get more thought leadership around what our product lines are the second area is more key opinion leaders or peer to peer we call it so let's say you have a leading radiologist in netherlands who everybody follows and who is very popular it's amazing that this person can actually recommend our products and talk to the clinical benefits and evidences of using this which goes long way into having more affinity for this product across the different entities that we work with so these two i think are special dimensions in b2b which is not what we traditionally see in b2c but beyond that the world is starting to become very digital and with that new media platforms are coming across so you also see these days a lot of clinicians and the audiences in the hospitals on social media platforms but also on platforms that we are all used to as consumers like amazon like facebook and they are getting very popular and always is say in marketing that you need to be where your customers are so once the customer has moved on to new areas of consuming information we need to be there and if we talk about the magnitude of business to business how important is business to business marketing if you compare it to business to consumer marketing and i think in terms of expenditures but also in terms of future marketing jobs for our students yeah that's a great question yona uh, firstly i would say it is less known on how big b2b is let me give an example in healthcare i'm just talking about healthcare piece of b2b in north america the spend is close to 19% of gdp which is like trillions and trillions of dollars and that's purely on healthcare now if you look at aerospace or automotive 
if you look at all of that it comes close to around more than 50% of gdp going into b2b and hence it's extremely important that we figure out how do we get better and more effective in this space but also this means a huge opportunity area for all of us as budding marketeers to develop into because there is money there is lack of talent and competence and this is for the future a great opportunity area to be in okay great opportunity for our students as you said marketing is more and more also business to business marketing adopting digital components maybe Aukia likes to get into this so Sam you are the global head of digital marketing and e-commerce and i'm wondering how does digital marketing play a role in the healthcare industry so you just mentioned that you want to be where the consumer is basically so for example which social media platforms do you use and how do you use those very good question uh, thank you i would kind of phrase it in three areas so if you look at a traditional marketing funnel you have uh awareness building we call it the upper funnel management where you need to build awareness uh, more affinity towards what your proposition is then you have purchase funnel which is looking at conversion and then you have post purchase experience where after a sale people still need to be engaged on based on this journey we have different kinds of platforms coming in let me give an example in trying to build awareness we are really looking at social platforms but also search platforms in terms of google uh where we do quite a lot in SEO and SEA kind of advertising we also look at social media platforms in terms of linkedin where most of us are there for seeking opportunities in our jobs but you might not know that this is a blick platform also to share experiences but also information sharing across the communities of clinicians and other specialty areas so we use this a lot in targeting in prospecting customers but also in trying to make this as a sales platform next to social media platform but we also across different countries we have very localized engagement platforms which are unique to that country which is used by the professionals within that country okay do you have an example for the netherlands i'm not sure about netherlands but in us we have a f- platform for radiologists they call it the vibe and maybe it's not yet there in netherlands but it is coming very soon so we have these kind of uh, local platforms which people tap into so you just mentioned linkedin i guess that's the awareness phase or is it also the purchase phase it's mainly the awareness phase but then if you go deeper th- the next phase is the purchase phase there are different kinds of technologies now b2b institutes normally have um, connections to already an existing list of suppliers so they want to make their transaction as seamless and automated as possible So we have a technology called e-procurement or EDI. Uh it used to be something which was used traditionally in the automotive and uh, electronics area which means it's a direct connection from a hospital to a supplier like Philips and the transactions f- flow seamlessly. That's one. Second one from a platform perspective is what we're all used to is e-commerce. Philips has a platform an e-store if you will. which is accessible for customers where they log in and they have their own specified portfolio pricing trade terms and everything else which is very customized and they can actually transact with us the third one is uh, the platforms that we are all used to in terms of amazon facebook and the likes amazon is known for our b2c standpoint but also they have spinned up a new wing called amazon b2b 
it is traditionally known as Amazon Business, where business entities can sell to other business entities. And this is where a hospital is so looking forward to it because they see Amazon as the one-party shop, if you will, where bedsheets or uh, tables like these or operating theaters or any equipment, they can just go there and actually contract with a hundred different suppliers, but just make it like a one-stop shop. And how do you measure effectiveness in digital marketing? So I guess it's more obvious for the purchase phase, but how do you measure the effectiveness in the awareness phase or in the post-purchase phase? Very good question again. If you talk about the pre-purchase phase, in the awareness phase, there are a few metrics. We call it the return on the marketing spend. And it's a famous word called MROI. And there are a few dimensions to this. So we look at how much media invest we do in terms of buying media, but also spending advertising and promotion spend on this. And what does it really generate for you? And there are two dimensions to what it generates. So one is uh, it generates leads and opportunities which go into your sales funnel and which generate uh, revenue. But the other way is just even before that, we look at how many of these leads are really qualified into a marketing funnel. And with that, you can do an attribution model to say, if you invest X into marketing, what is the return on investment from a sales standpoint? So that's how we measure this. But as a leading indicator to all of these, you have very simple metrics like traffic, share of search. So what I mean with share of search is you go and type in Philips in Google. And if you look at the search terms which come up, you need to see how much of it is really Philips versus another competitor bidding it. So then it shows you the share of search engine that Philips has. So like this, it, you can actually do this for different kinds of platforms that you do in the awareness space. Okay, so you use the analytics uh, function for each platform. Indeed. Now let's dive a little bit further into the importance of e-commerce. This has apparently grown, but I would like to know from you, how has it changed over the years? And is there, for example, a change as a result of COVID? It's a fantastic question again. And I must say, the healthcare industry has been one of the laggards in adoption of B2B e-commerce. So B2B e-commerce has been quite prevalent in automotive and electronic space for a while now, but also in pharma. But since you referenced COVID, interesting things have been happening in the space after COVID. What you need to realize is also in hospitals, people just don't have the time or mind space to talk to other people anymore. So imagine a nurse who is uh, in an ICU spending 14 hours a day looking after our dear ones. And if you need to target her from an information consumption standpoint, it's impossible. So traditionally, B2B salespeople or marketeers used to find these audiences at an event or have a coffee conversation in a cafeteria in the hospital, but that's not there anymore. So you need to find new ways to target them and make them purchase your products. That's why e-commerce is becoming more predominant. So a nurse still will probably log into their phone and look at the messages that she has got, maybe WhatsApp or maybe Amazon. So you need to start looking at different ways in which you can target customers where they are versus bringing them to where you want them to be. With that, e-commerce is really becoming more popular. So we are trying to find ways in, let's say, their application platform, which they're daily using just to log in their cases or to buy new electrical cables. Wherever they are, be it in their personal platforms or their platforms in the hospital, we are trying to plug in what Philips can do from a portfolio standpoint so that we can make buying decisions and buying automation as seamless as possible. 
Okay, could you make that a bit concrete? Thinking about a nurse, she's busy working all day. How do you approach her? How do you target her? There are two ways in which you can target her. One is in the equipment that she's working on, which is let's say a patient monitor, and you're looking at the patient data and all those kind of things. But also, you're looking for information on training and information on new upgrades and what can you do from a data standpoint, so that you don't have to spend so much time in analyzing the information about the patient. But already, you can get a lot of information pre-cooked for you based on the data. And with that, you can also then say to ensure that she gets this, she can actually. subscribe to our components in data and analytics which comes at a cost so it she's already working with something and you bring in e-commerce to the point of where she's working on do you actually mean that while working you're actually stay in close touch with her the, so that at any point there is a need for something extra a training or servers or another products who will reach out to you is that the idea indeed it is to ensure that in their workflow you embed yourself so that you're prominent but not in a distracting way but more in a proactive help way so that people find it relevant and they need to subscribe for you from a pull standpoint rather than pushing out what you want i understand and how do you actually measure to what extent you are successful in um engaging with this well let me say that the nurses there are different kinds of data points so if you look at we do a lot based on ab testing so saying uh, in their workflows which point can we plug in our solutions is it working or not and if it's not working where are they falling off and how do we retarget them i always say that every person needs to see a particular piece of information five times in five different areas before it actually sticks in this kind of a world mm-hmm. so we try to see in their workflow if it hasn't worked then can it work when they are logging in into a procurement environment can it work when they go into their own personal portal which is where we can bring this in so we look at which information areas are really growing traction and we try to reuse them and optimize them and once we have cracked it in one particular audience we try to use it in another hospital or in another audience type and we get a lot of learnings and we keep redefining our proposition and our marketing mix based on what works okay so it's a lot of try and error in order to um Yeah, iterate towards the optimum, so to say. What do you think uh, will happen after COVID has ended? Do you think we go back to the old normal, or do you go on like you are doing now? I think nobody can predict the future, but at least I can say with almost a hundred percent certainty that the old normal is gone. I think we will always have a blended new normal. It will not be what it is now, but it will also not be what it was. It will be somewhere in the middle. I'm sure. almost every company will find a way in which they need to blend offline traditional marketing with a new gen digital marketing in a omni channel manner and that's what i would see happening more and more but one thing is for sure that the behaviors of our customers but also behaviors of us as sales teams has changed and adoption of digital data and new marketing mix models is here to stay okay what kind of skills and knowledge do new marketers need to have what which advice do you have for our students now studying to become marketers in the future i'm just thinking back on uh, my marketing days as well and there are certain concepts of marketing which are which is like golden which will always stick and there are certain forms which are new so let me bring in both perspectives the the strongest point of marketing is in my view two things one is understanding audience and customer needs and building value propositions that is going to stay forever but the way to actually work on it 
in an agile manner like i said it's a lot of trial and error the delivery time is not tomorrow it's yesterday so you need to be so much more from a entrepreneurial standpoint to look at different marketing mix models train yourself on data management you should almost be an analyst before you be a marketer to really understand what you can do with the data to build your propositions is going to be key so my advice would be be very strong in building value propositions and understanding of your customer needs so there is less theory but really go and find out what works what doesn't and as a principle 70% of the time you will fail but 30% you need to be successful so be very strong in that area in value proposition development second one is really bring your competence up in working on marketing analytics and data because it is the key pillar for defining everything else and the third one is look at different kinds of channels to target customers the traditional models are kind of obsolete and you need to keep reinventing yourself in new ways in which you can target customers so train yourself there okay sam so you say about 70% of the marketing initiatives fail um talking about failures that's a fail have you heard about the super league a plan that has already been qualified as the biggest marketing fail of the year it has to do with european football hasn't it but what has it to do with marketing let me explain to you it's an initiative of the biggest soccer teams in europe to set up a midweek competition next to their national competitions 15 clubs such as manchester united juventus and real madrid are guaranteed a position in this league and five others can qualify. Ah, okay, so if you describe it like that, it almost sounds like a product innovation. Yes, it seems like that. But the initiators took a very product-oriented perspective. The idea focuses purely on better soccer, and not on fulfilling the needs of football fans or other stakeholders. Let me start with the UEFA. They called the initiative a shame and threatened participating clubs and players to block them from their national competitions and even the European and World Championships. Also, football fans are not enthusiastic because of the unfairness of the system. Football is about dreaming, dreaming at becoming a champion and about falling down after a bad season. But in this system, some teams are pre-selected and others can hardly enter. And the fans claim that in the end, it's only about commerce about making money and even more money. The gap with national competitions will grow and grow. And though some people may like to see better soccer, many others still prefer seeing matches of Willem II from Tilburg or Feyenoord, just because it's their team. And as you have learned, a product or sales orientation will never win in the long run. So I do not think the Super League will take off. What do you think about the Super League, Sam? Do you have an opinion about this? Yeah, sure. So first point to note is I'm not so deep yet into Super League or soccer. But hearing what you say, a few things come to mind. The mantra of marketing is to be close to audiences and customers. And first, it's not about your product, but what are your customer needs? I think that is the red thread in this story, that there was no real definition of what customer needs are or consumer needs and hence a concept was prepared for the probably the sake of it you might call it money greed or another new tournament to get in some limelight but it really wasn't serving any clear need and that is the first bottleneck in my view the second one is more the players in an ecosystem needed to make this proposition work 
obviously there are existing tournaments there are really big players in manchester united barcelona and all of them but they should not only be in but they should be a proactive ambassador of these hence i think to make any concept work you need to have your ecosystem defined saying you have these football clubs you have the big leagues in terms of the existing champions league uh, spanish league and all of them but also you have certain consumer bases and fan bases which need to be fully bought in to create the buzz about this and test it out before making a huge uh, fuss about this kind of a concept and hence i think these two probably were not really done properly and in my view that's where it went wrong where you don't really have a cooked concept but neither do you have the different ecosystem members fully bought in to make this work okay thank you well this gives a very nice perspective um on this uh, initiative and i think it's quite clear that none of us believes in it um maybe um about the news because a lot is going on in terms of marketing and in uh, e-commerce specifically you read something nice okay didn't you yes indeed it's also about soccer and let's continue to the breaking news and now breaking news in marketing So to stay in the subject of soccer, I want to discuss an article which I came across a few weeks ago. In the week of May 3rd, all English soccer clubs had a social media boycott that lasted one week, which means that they did not contribute anything on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. They did this to make a statement about racism on social media that affected their players. They wanted to challenge these platforms to think about this matter more. Of course I think that this is an extremely important statement that should be made and these soccer clubs have a lot of impact on social media. As we discussed today, social media can be a great platform for businesses to target their customers. However, maybe there should be some more international regulation. Yeah, but where lies the responsibility to make these types of regulations with the social media platforms, with the policy makers or with the users? Sam, what do you think? happens once businesses and individuals start boycotting social media or do you think this is something that will not happen anyway I think it's a great topic and we could discuss this for hours but my perspective is quite simple on this I'm sure that social media platforms in some form of the other are here to stay and they will because uh, it's it's a democracy and we are all open to sharing our suggestions but also interested in what other person has to say so it will be here to stay but the problem is less about the platform but it's more about the content and the mitigation and the moderation of it from a regulation standpoint so let me speak about those two i firmly believe that content is more in the hands of uh, the the clubs in this case they should have a better control into the moderation of the content but also in uh, ensuring that it is not misused or inappropriately used and i can understand the boycotting but it is it is treating the symptom it's not really treating the cause the cause is that mitigation or moderation of content and the framework to manage that is not yet developed from the platforms because they it is kind of an open ended platform today and you never really know a twitter post can go spiraling and can ruin so many people's perspectives can also be told differently so i think we need to manage that part but also there should be more control from the club standpoint so that they have moderators assigned per platform 
who can actually bring back and curtail down this impact when it goes out of uh, control. So I think what I mean with this is there should be a very tight governance on the content and the moderation of it from the clubs, but also there should be a very strict framework and transparency about this from the platforms on how do they govern this from a regulation standpoint. Yes, thank you, Sam. I totally agree with you. And indeed, it would be interesting to further discuss and explore the topic. But we would like to ask our listeners, you, to think about this further. Can you link it to relevant marketing theory? Can you answer some of our questions? Or do you have some interesting questions yourself? It is time to ask and find out yourself, how do you let marketing matter to you? That was it for this episode of Marketing Matters, where we have talked about B2B in the healthcare industry, social media platforms and e-commerce. And next to that, soccer. Sam, thank you for the interesting conversation. Thank you. In the next episode, we'll dive deeper into the topic of corporate social responsibility. And you will learn what role marketing can play for a company who applies this. So stay tuned. In the meantime, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or anything else you would like to share with us, please reach out by sending a message to marketingmatters at tubicuniversity.edu. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Aukje. Thank you, Jorna. This podcast was brought to you by Tilburg University, EduILab, in collaboration with the podcast producent.